Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Radio, where each week we talk to a musician, artist, author, or other creative Mississippian working in the arts across the state. I'm your host, Melody Moody Thordis, Director of Grants at the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today I'm speaking with artist Amy Oliver. Amy, thanks so much for joining us. It is absolutely my pleasure. Well, I want to talk to you about your connection to Mississippi. Um, and then I want to talk about your upcoming show and your art. So why don't we kind of start at the beginning? You grew up in the Delta, is that right? I did. Um, I feel so lucky to have grown up uh, in Cleveland when I did uh, because there was so such a rich art community um, at Delta State, and uh, there was a graduate program there, and their graduates were always teaching workshops and things, and uh, uh, there... It was, I think it was a, a very fertile time, like an arts incubator in a way. Hmm. Well, tell me about, um, in that way, kind of some of your first art experiences um, and kind of when you were living there. Well, I remember in my kindergarten class, we, um, we created uh, sort of, costumes for Thanksgiving uh, between the pilgrims and the Indians. I don't remember. I think, oh, yes, it was an Indian kind of a tunic, and we drew on them. And my uh, my kindergarten teacher just lost her breath when she saw mine. <laughs> and I don't think I really thought, you know, considered my work to be any different than anybody else's. And that's the first time I realized, oh, well, that's that that was surprising, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my, you know, family suffered through my obsession with magic markers, and I was drawing on everything uh, that I could when I was a kid. I was a mark maker from the very beginning. Mm. Uh, But I think that evolved into something that that could be described as artistic aspirations after um, my first visit to McCarty's Pottery Mm. when I was just a little girl. You know, my mom was friends with Lee and Pop, and uh, we visited, I don't know how old I was, but uh, I was little. And, you know, the, at the time, the McCarty's was basically the barn compound, and it had this moat of bamboo all the way around it on every side. And the only entrance was this, the, a door that was a carved hand. Now, that was like Oz. Mm-hmm. to this girl, you know, so uh, it, it was, you know, unlike anything I'd ever experienced. And so it made a very big impression on me, uh, it, it, not just the place, but but the life that they created for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that possibility is something that I believe is very, still very doable here, mm-hmm. that you, if you don't like your life, well, you can create the one you want, mm. and uh, I still I see people doing that all the time, and that and that it didn't you know just knowing that was a possibility, experiencing that as, as a young kid um, was transformative. So I I whenever I would come down uh, for a holiday or a 
funeral or a wedding, I would try to um, stop by McCarty's if um, if I was in that part of the state. Well, yeah, just remembering it as, as something inspirational to go back to. And I just was so happy to see a collection of their work at the museum earlier at the Mississippi Museum. Oh, oh, oh the Mississippi Museum of Art, yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so uh, as you're kind of growing in your art and in your exploration, um, you take some classes at Delta State, and then you look, and then you go to Mississippi State for your undergrad, is that right? That's that's correct, yes. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about, you know, studying art at those places. Well, my first uh, drawing class at a college level was with Sammy Britt, and it was in the, it was the summer between my uh, high school diploma and my freshman year of college. So I was ready. I, mm. I was so ready to be going, you know, to move into that that next phase, whatever it was. I didn't even know exactly what it was, you know. Uh, and so um, I, I really benefited tremendously from working with the faculty there. I also studied with Floyd Shaman, and I'm so happy to see, you know, them or their work here in the state when I travel about. It makes, mm -hmm. it's just, you know, art, life is short, art is long, mm -hmm. and that is the best, best example of that. Uh, to see their work long after they're gone, with, with Floyd's work in particular at uh, um, all over the place. But I, I saw a lot of it around Square Books mm -hmm. last time I was in Oxford. And uh, and then Sammy's got a retrospective coming up, I think, later this fall. So I, I'm hopefully I'm going to be able to see it when I come back to take down my show. Um, and then so I wound up getting uh, the opportunity to go to Mississippi State and um, I have to say, I received such incredible mentorship there, and it was it was a good time for for me to. I, I liked the fact that I sort of had one foot in either place. I was very independent there, and I could come home and be in the Delta, and you know. So I I, I benefited from I think both kinds of art making and thinking and. Um, uh, and I feel very fortunate for that. So, so there I studied both fine art and design, and I think that was also very important in my um, the opportunities that were made available to me beyond graduate school. How I got my teaching job to have to have uh, to be able to have a studio practice that was about drawing and painting or whatever I was studying. I, I, I took a lot of classes. Um, and to also have the structured discipline that you learn as a designer, mm -hmm. and that was really completely different for me, you know. To, to and uh, and I had incredible teachers there, um, uh, Deanna Douglas and Jack Bartlett and Mike Dorsey and uh, many others, um, Carla Johnson. I mean, some of these people I still work on projects with them. Okay, that I've known since I was 18 or 19 years old, even though they're living in other parts of the world. Um, so I, so uh, there I received a lot of mentorship, and that's probably why I went directly into graduate school. So I was very young. when I was the youngest person in my graduate program in Ohio, and um, I, I guess I, f I feared that if I waited, I would lose that momentum. Uh -huh. You know, I kind of wish I'd gone to Europe prior and done some things that most of my peers had done, but the opportunity was there, and um, and I was in that 
you know, that mode to, uh, to roll with it. And so I was, uh, I drove straight from, um, straight from Starkville to uh, Bowling Green, Ohio, without ever visiting the campus prior. <laughs> and uh, at the time, let me tell you, it's a miracle that I got there with the car that I was driving. But I made it, and I got there, and I cursed my professors because Bowling Green is just like the Delta, <laughs> except, you know, there's corn instead of cotton. And I, I just didn't know that. I couldn't believe I could drive all the way north about as far as you could go and still wind up in a, a terrain very similar to, um, to where I grew up. But uh, Kentucky was beautiful. It's a beautiful drive, but uh, completely so much like it. Uh, big skies, very agricultural, and... Um, but, but a lot of snow and not a lot of sun. So it was different that way. And I think those things probably affected my work to some degree. Yeah, now you do, um, it seems like you do a lot of, a lot of your work seems to reflect nature and the things around you. So, yeah, yes. so, so it sounds like what I'm hearing you say is your time in Bowling Green, maybe you started exploring how that nature was different than where you were before and that came into your work. Is that... Well, I, I think I think maybe perhaps I was more than I think the, na- the the fact that it was so cold and gray outside made you really focus on the studio mm-hmm. and really learning as much as I can and being exposed to as many different ways, you know, kinds of practice and materials and learning as much about materials as possible. I started painting when I was in the fifth or sixth grade. I took um, classes from Anime Webb, a retired second grade teacher who taught painting um, in Cleveland. And so I, I already felt I knew a lot about, I mean, I really didn't know a lot, but I felt I could always paint. But I wanted to learn about printmaking and photography and mm-hmm. and metal design and all these different things. So I was very focused in the studio. And then while I was there, I think because I was doing so many different materials, I developed a sensitivity to solvents, and that is what had a huge impact on my practice because after that, my, my practice became exclusively water-based and with a focus on non-toxic materials. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Radio. Each week on the Arts Hour, representatives from the Mississippi Arts Commission speak with different creative people working across Mississippi. Today I'm talking to Delta native and painter Amy Oliver. So Amy, before the break, we, were, we had started talking a little bit about the artwork that you do. Um, and I'm curious if, before we talk about your process and your inspirations, if you could kind of describe for people, I know it's the radio, but... Um, if you could kind of paint a picture, if you will, of the kind of art that you do so that we can maybe set a scene as we as we talk about your process. Sure. Well, um, my work is definitely inspired by the elements. And if I look at the evolution of my of my creative practice, I think, in, you know, first I began, I think, when I was still in Ohio, the work had a more of a personal narrative. And then when I moved to Louisiana, the theme for the World's Fair was water and rivers and rainfall. And that, you know, and that difference, the the effect of that anywhere you live, 
is has a tremendous impact on the culture and the design and the sensibility and the architecture. All of those things, whether it's New Orleans or Ohio or Salzburg or Vienna or Scotland, and that has become that became very apparent to me over the years as I was working with water-based materials. And um, one of the reasons I live in Virginia, uh, I've, I decided to stay in Virginia, is that I can access opportunities to work in places all over the world. Mm-hmm. And it becomes very visceral to me, the, the, the way these, these aspects of our life or affect the culture and the arts. So my work, if you look at it, you'll see perhaps an implied landscape or waterscape. Um, but for me, it has to do with not so much depicting a particular piece of land or p- depicting water, but making you feel like you're experiencing that. You're seeing reflected light. You're, you're seeing the atmosphere rather than a picture of the atmosphere or a picture of the water and that is a it's a it is something that uh, I want you know that I, I I believe people do respond to it that way uh, so you might feel like it, you're underwater mm-hmm. instead of looking at a picture that sh- depicts life underwater so I'm curious um as a painter myself, I'm I'm very drawn to this idea of water and the elements, um, and so I'm. I just have to ask: Do you find yourself um, not, I guess, not art related, drawn to water in general as kind of a, a, a I guess, to, to each its own, but like a soothing or. Like, for example, I like, I just like floating or being mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. water, right? Like, and that mm-hmm. helps inspire my art that has to do with water. Well, I am a Pisces. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I, so in some ways, I think that it was just manifest destiny that water is my only choice mm-hmm. as, as a solvent, you know, for moving mm-hmm. materials around, whether it's charcoal or whatever, and, or, or watercolor or ink. Or, and that's the thing, the thing that I'm working with now is almost exclusively is ink. And um, I love the way, and I work on a treeless paper, and I love the fact that the paper is so smooth that as the water evaporates from the ink, you can see every watermark. So it really shows, I believe, I, it conveys the process. And that process, it, it, will, it will happen differently depending on how hot or cold it is, depending on the quality of the water. Is the water from the Baltic Sea or is the water from the Mississippi River or is the water from the James River? Because every, you know, water affects everything. It affects the way your hair looks after mm-hmm. you've taken a shower. It affects the way your coffee tastes. The quality of whiskey or beer. Of course it's going to affect the, what happens with the materials that you mix with it. And I try to play up that and be very sensitive to that as I'm working in a different place. Tell me more about this treeless paper. Well, there is a, you know, um, one of the things that I've been doing the past 20 years is I do a lot of artist residencies. And I was at the Virginia Center for the Creative Arts, and they, um, I met an artist there who was working on a paper called Yupo. And it was very large and very smooth and very durable. And uh, and I was very interested in it. And it, it took me, 
I guess maybe 10 years to figure out exactly what I was meant to do on a material like that. Because mm-hmm. before that, I, I worked on a lot of mixed media and a lot of paper, hard press paper or hot press mm-hmm. paper. But um, uh, so that so that that kind of paper is called a durable, and in, and durables are generally papers that are designed uh, for commercial printing, and they're meant to save on trees, and they're they're meant to be very they're they're very stable and archival, and um, you can't tear them. It's hard to perforate them. They're just, it's a very interesting material. I'm still exploring all the different kinds. There's many different kinds, and I, I'm still learning a tremendous amount about, about them. Um, so, I, and, and I love trees also. I, my ancestor painted, I mean, excuse me, my ancestor planted the oldest tulip poplars in the state of Virginia. So I have a thing for old trees, and I love the fact that I can work on this paper, which is often made of recycled materials, and not have to feel bad about the trees. Sure, especially, yeah, if you're connected. I mean, I still work on paper. You know, I still work on paper, on regular paper, and I still love it. But this paper has been very good to me because uh, it's very sensitive as far as recording that process that I was talking about, evaporation. Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit more. The the use of water as a solvent for mm-hmm. acrylic and, and ink wash. Mm-hmm. So you said you're primarily working in ink, but mm-hmm. um, do you find yourself working in one or the other? Are you mixing? Are you how does that work? It depends on the scale that I'm working on, mm-hmm. and uh, the so the work the show that I have up now uh, it's called um, Delta Time. Um, uh, Maps, planes, and watermarks, and it's the Delta Arts Alliance in Cleveland. And I tr- I chose to show work on a variety of scales to, to sort of demonstrate the evolution of the work from small to large. So if I'm working small, you know, if I, if I when I arrive in a new place and I'm trying to figure out what the possibilities are, I'll start small, and and then I usually have to work on many many pieces at one time because you have to wait for the water to dry. Mm. So, um, so, so if I'm working large, I will often use more opaque pigments with the ink just, just to, you know, encourage it to go further. If I really wanted to have impact, it dep- once again, it just depends upon the water. Um, and, uh, how it's evaporating and if I like what it's doing, um, so, but the the thing, the the other thing is that any other pigment is very difficult to travel with. So, over the years, you know, one of the reasons I think I started focusing so much on ink is that I can buy ink just about anywhere, and it's a small bottle that will actually fit in my carry on in my makeup bag, whereas um, acrylic is much more difficult mm-hmm. to travel with, particularly if you don't want to check a bag. Mm-hmm. So the so it really has. It's kind of parallel the realities of the world if you are someone that likes to travel and, and, and work, create work in response to different types of geography and, and location and studios. So, um, and then I will often use acrylic or, so I'll make the work there and then I'll get home and I'll often use the acrylic as a varnish or I'll use wax as a varnish. So that's the, they, the, the materials do support each other. They're very compatible. Mm-hmm. 
Do you do any, um, just asking because you said wax, do you do any encaustic work? Is that... No, not so much uh, because uh, I, I really, you know, that's about heat. Right. And so if I do use wax, I use a, like a Renaissance wax. Uh-huh. And so it's a cold wax, a microcrystalline wax, something that's designed, like museum quality, that's designed mm-hmm. to protect the surface. I see. Okay. Well, um, so y- your process, it, it sounds like, like do you go in knowing kind of, having a good idea of what the final product is going to look like, or are you just kind of seeing how the ink and the water and the paint plays? It's, it's definitely, I, I believe that the landscape might inspire me, but generally, I, even if I have an idea of what I could do, it will evolve based on the place, and it's kind of a call and response, you know. I arrived in... Uh, in Pluchot, in eastern Germany, near the Baltic Sea, on Easter Sunday in 2018, and uh, you know, flew into Hamburg and realized when I cranked my rental car that I hadn't driven a stick in 20 years, <laughs> and I had to drive it in the snow to this you know tiny town, and I get there and I realize that um, my, it's, there's snow everywhere. And that my ink, something had had leaked in my bag. You know, so that's the thing. I've learned to triple bag everything, <laughs> any kind of liquid, triple bag. So I decided to take the snow and put it in the bag with all the ink that had leaked uh-huh. out. And that was the beginning of my first piece. You know, so it kind of made reference to this incredible, the, 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 the snow is kind of a blessing and a curse. Because it was snowing and it was Easter Sunday, there was nobody on the road. Which was very helpful since... I was having to, you know, and I couldn't read the signs. Right, I was in a, yeah, it, it was it was a, it was an interesting. So that was a that was a very inspiring experience, and the snow kind of started that process. Uh-huh. Makes sense. And the water, the water there is very interesting because the Baltic Sea has the is the largest body of brackish water in the world, and so that water just resulted in some. Yeah, so you were able to use this brackish water. Yeah, in your that work was the whole then? point. Yeah. Yes, the uh, whole point was for me, for me to go there. That's why I applied for it because uh, it was close to the sea. Oh, nice uh, to that sea. So, yes, um, it was it was good. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Radio. Each week on the Arts Hour, representatives from the Mississippi Arts Commission speak with different creative people working in Mississippi. Today I'm speaking with Amy Oliver, Delta native, currently living and working in Richmond, Virginia. Amy's talking to us today about her show called Delta Time, Maps, Planes, and Watermarks, featuring her ink and water-based paintings, now open for viewing through November 1st at the Delta Arts Alliance in Cleveland, Mississippi. So um, people who may want to check out your show, Amy, um, will you give them also your website and where to find more about your work? Sure, absolutely. Um I uh, have a, a public Facebook page that's Amy Oliver Studios, and that's A-M-I-E. Uh, and I also have a website, um, amyoliver.com.info. You know, if you, if you Google me, you'll find it. But just be, but my name is A-M-I-E, so um, that will uh, make it easier to find the right one. Get you to the right place. Yeah, the right place, fantastic. yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, um, so we, I know you have this upcoming show. We were talking a little bit about your work. Let's talk about some of your travels, some of your work that you've done uh, with artist residencies. I know you've worked all over the world. 
Sure. Well, um, so I moved to Virginia from um, from New Orleans, where I wound up after graduate school. And there, I think one of the reasons I wound up staying, because I had no idea I'd still be in Virginia, or that I'd meet my future husband there. But um, while uh, there were just so many opportunities to to leave my studio uh, routine behind and work or teach in Scotland, um, I used to work uh, with uh, the Glasgow School of Art. I actually took a group from Mississippi State there many, many years ago. And um, so these experiences were very just pivotal in my practice. And the idea of seeing ancient work that art, you know, carved stones, Pictish stones was very, very powerful. That's when I really wanted to make that. I wanted my drawings and paintings to be more like objects at the time. And that's what I pursued when I got a sabbatical in 93, 94, and I wound up working at the Virginia Atelier for six months. And that is a, an incredible resource that um, Virginia universities have created for their faculty who are teaching art or music, and at some and at some schools also um, creative writing. So I, that's one of the reasons I think I may have stayed in Virginia because I wanted to have the opportunity to work at this uh, at the Virginia Atelier, and uh, so so being there with th- more than three hundred artists from all over the world. It's like a big hotel mm-hmm. with each room, a studio, and a place to live, and your own kitchen, and your own you know, facilities, private facilities. Each door has a different country's name on it, and people are all speaking different. Their native tongues are all different, but they have this, this common language that is art, and that was a profound thing to experience for the first time, whether it's art or music or, or theater or it it just it brought it brings people together and even though you you know you may not I, I wasn't fluent in French um, you make great friendships and great connections and this results in incredible opportunities for everybody involved and so uh, so I have continued to return to this amazing place it's the Cité Internationale des Arts and um, because it, it 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 informs my work and my practice. Uh, a great deal, and I meet people who are doing things that are about bringing the world together and using art as one of the mediums to do that. And that, you know, uh, I worked on a project in Tibet with artists from the East and the West because I met someone at the Cité. Um, She's an Australian artist, and she has a big show up right now, actually, in the uh, Museum of the Bible. Uh, She created this illuminated tapestry that's up for the next six months and if you ever go to Washington, D.C. Uh, so so my dream, actually, has been that um, that America has five ateliers at this place, the Cité, and I would love Mississippi to sponsor the sixth atelier mm-hmm. so that Mississippi artists and writers and um, uh, musicians would have the opportunity to go and pursue their work for two months or four months or however long you know it's set up. Every institution sets it sets up their 
their residency as as they like, mm-hmm. um, in conjunction with the rules of this uh, foundation. Um, and and it, so it's it's a very very unique place, and it's located in the heart of Paris. And basically, uh, the each institution, each residency has a lease, and the sponsoring institution buys the lease, and then they they open it up to artists from their region, and or writers or or musicians, and and keep it keep the place filled with with creative people all the time, and I would love to run into some fellow Mississippians when I'm in Paris next time that are working at the Cité. Uh, des Arts, as we call it. Um, that really is my dream. And I, it would just take one person that wants to make that happen, mm-hmm. who, who can afford to, 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 to do it. And then you've got this 20-year lease. Mm-hmm. And um, it, I just think it would be an incredible... Because I, I believe that art, the arts are some of our best cultural bridges and the artists and writers and musicians are universal ambassadors and people may not know very much about um, the small towns and and politics of where I grew up but they sure know our music and they sure know our writers and um, so I I just think it could be a terrific um, situation for both for the artists and writers and musicians here as well as for all the people from these other countries that would have the opportunity to meet them and then they would wind up coming here that's right. the great thing they'll come mm-hmm. you you put 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 the art out there and they will come for those just joining us i'm melody moody thordis with the mississippi arts commission and today on the mississippi arts hour i'm talking with visual artist amy oliver um yeah that's so inspiring we ha- we certainly have um so many people we're not we're not short on talent you know That's I mean, a fact. we have so many artists in so many different genres um yeah who really are ambassadors mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. um both with their quality and um just spreading the word and getting people here to experience this place we send more people out and we'll get more people here yeah i truly I believe so that well. i think so as well tell me about some of your work um, in Virginia. So you're in Richmond. Um, I know you have a an art lab there. Yes, yes. And you serve on some boards um, yes. as well. Tell me about that. Uh, um, so I moved there to teach at a small liberal arts college, and I gave academia, you know, most all my youth, uh, my, my, my youthiest, my, my youngest youth. And um, now I, I, I still teach, but I teach in a program that allows me to work with a lot of adults and it's at the Visual Arts Center of Richmond. They have a it's sort of it's like a a little bit like the DAA but on steroids because it's been around a lot longer and it has a, a very large staff and uh, incredible studio facilities. They don't have the theater component. You know, it makes sense that the Delta Arts Alliance will will have that because they have it's in an old theater. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I teach um, painting and uh, mixed media and ink and things like that there. Um, and they, the reason I love teaching there is because I can still participate in my, in my practice and work on my projects. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to do that if you're, if you're a full-time faculty or um, a full-time academic. 
so, and, and I'm fortunate that I live in a place where I can make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do that. I'm on the board of uh, 1708 Gallery, which is one of the oldest artist-run galleries in the United States, mm-hmm. although now it's, a, it's, it's, it's kind of evolved into a partnership between artists and art supporters, and it's, uh, it's, it has a very small staff like the Delta Arts Alliance, but it's been showing work by... Um, been showing contemporary work since for for 40 years. It just had its 40th anniversary. Um, And then I'm on the Fellows Council for the Virginia Center for Creative Arts, which is another another kind of model that I think would would work very well in Mississippi. The Virginia Center for the Creative Arts is one of the oldest kind of artist residencies, kind of colonies in the United States, and it started off in Charlottesville. And now it's located very close to um, Sweetbriar. And it's very bucolic, and it is for artists and writers and um, musicians, and it has studios specifically designed for these different practices. And uh, it's a nice residency because there are never more than about 20 people there, and they have a chef, and you you have a place to sleep, and then you have a separate studio. And I, I could see, um, and you think, when I, when, before I went there for the first time, I thought, oh, well, this is just going to be a lot like where I live, because it's in here in Virginia. Mm-hmm. But people from all over the world go there. Mm-hmm. A lot of people from New York, a lot of people go regularly. And um, I, I could see it as a model, an escape for people all over the world who want to come here and learn more about the music and pursue their work. And I, I actually, I know... Um, a uh, photographer in uh, Cleveland, um, Will Jacks, has this idea of doing a, a residency um, on his family farm. He's, I think he's already kind of slowly, it's slowly evolving. I think he's already had uh, an artist there work. And I think I may, my husband, who's a writer, um, Harry Colatz, we may go back at some point and, and spend some time there. Um, so I love seeing this happen because I've always thought the Delta is the perfect place to look at sculpture. You know, you've got this big stage, <laughs> you know, and, and beautiful light. You just need um, people coming and leaving the, the work that they've made. Well, um, I just have to say for those out there listening who are interested in residencies in Mississippi at the Arts Commission, um, actually just finished putting together a document um, about all the residencies that we could find information on, at least um, in Mississippi. And so, um, if you have if you have one um, that we might not know about, please contact the Arts Commission and let us know. But also, if you want to start one and you're looking to connect with other people who are hosting residencies or have ideas for residencies, they they all look a little different, you mm-hmm. know. So, um, so we thought it was important to create a resource where people could see what other people are doing in the state. Um, and just, you know, talk to each other and learn from each other. Um, so I just wanted to, to go off mm-hmm. of what you just said mm-hmm. to, to encourage people who are looking into that mm-hmm. um, to contact the Arts Commission. So we have just a few minutes um, left of our conversation. So I, I want to ask you, I know we talked about some of your dreams, but I have to ask, what's next? I know you're working on this show. Maybe, maybe next is a new series. Maybe next is a new uh, project. Well, um, so one of the things, I think one of the things that's down the road, um, uh, because I've spent a lot of time at this residency in Paris, I have met 
many Australian artists. And my um, my husband's novel that just came out this past month, it's called Carlisle Montgomery, um, it was published by an Australian press. So we have this dream of going to Australia in early 2020 so he can do uh, sort of a book tour and I would like to do make, make some work um, and visit the many, many artists I know that, that uh, pursue their practice. They're particularly Tasmanian. Tasmania is like the Scottish... It's like it's like Australia and Scotland combined, um, and I've heard great. I mean, uh, but 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 really, there are so many incredible artists working there, and they're great travelers. Mm-hmm. And so that is uh, that is one of the things I think that really it it it's hard. Traveling has become even coming down here mm-hmm. from Virginia. It is not as easy as it once was. Mm-hmm. You know, there is so much more traffic. People are distracted. It's it's a long road to hoe. You have to really want to be down here. Just like flying someplace, you know, with all the security and it, anything can happen anytime. But for me, ultimately, it is worthwhile. And it, it, it has really inspired my, my creative work. But it's also important that I know I can come home to Virginia or to the Delta and feel it, how it, see how it's all connected. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I've really enjoyed talking to you. Anyone who wants to check out Amy's work, that's A-M-I-E, Oliver. Um, check out her work online um, and her upcoming show at the Delta Arts Alliance. And thanks for listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour. Be sure to tune in each week for the Mississippi Arts Hour, a co-production of MPB Radio and the Mississippi Arts Commission.